0: It was actually between the Beatles and Muppet Babies soundtrack that I wanted to start this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. And the sky is falling in the world of pinball because the Beatles has been revealed to the world. We all knew it was coming. We all told you that it was going to be a reskin of Sea Witch, which it is, there are some differences and we're going to talk about what those are, but why is anybody even shocked by what they saw? Did you think we were lying? Did you think me and Jeff and Ryan and Marty and all the other pinball news outlets out there who have been telling you all for months that the Beatles is going to be a retheme of Sea Witch. It's going to have some spinning discs on it. They're going to make 1964. They're going to make 100, you know, diamond editions. We knew everything. We knew Christopher Franchi was the artist. There was really nothing left to see but the pin itself. Now, what is hilarious about today is the reaction from people after seeing the physical embodiment of, of everything you already knew you were going to get. And I'm, I'm almost like surprised. I'm surprised that your expectations were, were somewhere else. Like, were you just waiting to complain because you knew all this information many, many weeks ago, but now it's real. And I guess the pain is also real for a lot of you out there, but I don't want to do what you probably think I'm going to do on this podcast, which is just attack Stern and blame them for ruining your sensitive little pinball emotions or ruining your feelings of entitlement when it comes to pinball, that every single pinball game that gets made has to be made for your hobbyist little ass, right? It's not the case. What I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast is I want to try and look at this from both angles, okay? From a Stern business decision to do this game and from a hobbyist standpoint, all right? And I think this game, out of all of the games Stern has ever done, I think this one is probably the most polarizing pinball machine ever release. And here's why. We started to see this a little bit with the Supreme machine, but none of you gave a shit about Supreme, right? There's like not anyone who loves pinball that is also like a Supreme fanatic. That was like a machine that came out and you didn't give two shits about, cool, they made this for Supreme people. I don't even give a shit about those millennials, those idiots who wait online to buy meaningless items with the name Supreme on it. But now that it's the Beatles and it's being labeled as the only Beatles pinball machine of all time, and many of you are big Beatles fans, this one hurts because this one you want it to also be a great pinball experience. But beyond that, right? Because you can still have a fun pinball experience without creating a whole new pinball game, right? I mean, imagine if they just reskin Monster Bash and made all the monsters Beatles, right? Games suck now? I don't know. You tell me, Hilton. All right. So, but this one hurts. Because this one's got people so torn because on some level, if you're a Beatles fan, you want your band that you love to get The best pinball treatment possible because, you know, why does a band like Aerosmith get an all-new game? Why does a band like ACDC, a band like, you know, Metallica, a band like Alice Cooper gets his own original game? All of these bands get their original pinball game and you get a reskin. Okay, so let's look at it like that. This is from... Let's start with the hobbyist point of view first on on just that part of it. If you are a pinball hobbyist and a Beatles fan, I feel like you feel like you've been wronged by Stern Pinball. How dare they? And your vitriol is, is, is exploding right now. Like, you're angry as fuck because this is it. This isn't only the first. This is the only beatles pinball machine you're ever going to get and you don't want it it sounds like now wait to flip it wait to see it but right now you don't want it and you're telling everybody that so on the from a from a vantage point of a pinball hobbyist who likes the beatles yes you feel wronged by stern okay now Let's look at it from Stern's point of view. So Stern isn't really making this game per se to the pinball hobbyist who loves pinball. And that's why this is kind of weird to me. We're going to talk about this. Like, they got away with that with Supreme, but they're not going to get away with that really with Beatles because, like I said, pinball people also like the Beatles. So they needed to make a game that uh, appeased both parties, both the pinball hobbyist and the Beatles collector, Uh, but it seems like they're losing the pinball hobbyist as of today. Now, I, I also... I also think a lot of you who live on Pinside, who are on the forum right now complaining about this game, uh, you, most of you have a tendency to usually complain about everything. So you've got those guys. Like You guys live for this shit. The people who hate on pinball, who love to articulate their uh, their disappointment in the hobby, don't lie. You guys love shit like this. You love something To bitch about. The only thing missing from this thread right now is Oric telling us how he could have done a better job. I'm just waiting for that. It'll come. He's probably taking a crap right now somewhere in California. But he's going to get off the crapper and he's going to get a text message from a friend that's going to share this link. And then he's going to go over to his little desk and be like, oh, my God, angry white pinball fan on the Internet right now, screaming to other angry white pinball collectors. Okay, so look. That will happen, and we will read that later today. Okay, but here is the deal. From a business standpoint, if I'm thinking about this through Stern's lens, who are they making this game for? It's clear that they're making this game primarily for the Beatles collector. All right, and I've said this before. Does a Beatles collector want an expensive pinball machine? We don't know. You know how we don't know this and you know why we don't know this? Because there's never been another Beatles pinball machine for them ever to collect. There's never been something like this ever that has been labeled as Beatles memorabilia, as something you should collect. But that is Stern's approach here. Now look, the Supreme people gobbled it up because those guys are crazy and gobble everything up. Will this work with the Beatles collector fan base? Right? So you have to push to the side all the moaning and groaning on Pinside and all the pinball people who are upset right now because here's the deal. Let me just break it down for you guys. I almost want to do a little Tony Montana, Chicos, Apple, who owns the Beatles, rights. I think they do, right? I don't know. Maybe the music they do. The the Beatles fan base, for the most part, the millions and millions and millions of Beatles fans around the world, they don't even know or give a shit about Pinside. So they haven't even seen this thing yet. Like you think it's revealed to the world? It's not revealed to the world. It's revealed to 50 angry dudes on Pinside, for the most part. Okay, so. There is a tendency to live in that vacuum and think that the sky is falling. But Stern also doesn't give a shit what you guys on Pinside say. So from a business standpoint, this is solely targeted at Beatles fans who collect Beatles memorabilia, all right? Now, Now, let's stop there and just say for a minute, like, does that make sense? Like, does it make sense for Stern Pinball to make a game that isn't geared towards the diehard pinball tournament player or the diehard pinball collector but is geared at another collector base. And the medium is pinball, okay? I was trying to think of a metaphor or an example. It's kind of like movies, all right? So let's look at it like this. So movies is a medium. Pinball is a medium. Video games are a medium, okay? Now, for the most part, We've lived in the pinball world in a very myopic way. All right. And by that I mean, is that pinball machines primarily always followed the same strategy with every single game we got. It was either a movie property, a music property, like a popular TV show, or an original theme that was like wonky and weird, but like really translated well. Into pinball. We've never, ever, ever had pinball machines created from the ground up to be seen as collectibles to certain communities, right? And I'm not sure it's going to work, okay? I, that's what they're trying to do. It worked with Supreme, but I don't think it's going to work. Here and let me explain why. Uh, because I think that for this to work, and it worked a little bit with Batman, but I'll also say Batman, you got more of a of a pinball experience, and you're definitely going to get with 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 this game. Um, but the reason why I don't think it's going to work is I don't think people that collect memorabilia or collectible items are going to run and buy something like a pinball machine. Okay. And let me let me explain why. First first, a pinball machine is not like buying a piece of artwork that comes in a box, arrives at your house and you can put a nail in the wall and hang it. And it's and you know, and it's something pretty to look at, but it doesn't take up a lot of room. The sheer size of a pinball machine eliminates a lot of people's desires to deal with them, to put them in their homes, to put them in their houses. Even if you have a collection of stuff, it really limits the amount of people that are going to buy something that is that goddamn large. Okay? There's also a lot of households around the world where even if you have money, if you told the woman or the man who's a partner of a man, you know, we're, we we love all people on this show. If you told them that you're going to bring a pinball machine into the house, they'd be like, no fucking way, all right? I know it it seems hard for a lot of you guys. Again, on pin side because you're used to having friends who have pinball collections, but 99% of the earth doesn't have pinball collections or have pinball machines in their homes. So I'm not sold that people that want to just gobble up anything Beatles will gobble up this game and will really want this game and will consider this to be something that is sought after and rare. All right? Right. And so because we're not seeing... Anybody, anybody right now who's a pinball collector even want to collect it. And that's the challenge here with Stern and their partnership with Joe Kamikau is I think they're definitely chartering new orders here and they're trying to explore whether or not there's a market for this. See, I'm trying to remove just the emotions around the game that I know you guys are feeling. I don't feel any real emotional extremes around this product, right? And here's why, I don't really like the Beatles, so I don't care. Like this, I'm almost happy when new pinball comes out that I don't wanna buy, because it means I can save money. It means I don't feel the urge to make other sacrifices to get that pinball machine. For me, the most, and maybe some of you relate to this, the most stressed out I ever get is when I see a machine that I absolutely want to have, but for some reason, I know I shouldn't buy it, but I can't stop thinking about it when I go to bed. I can't stop thinking about it when I'm at work. I can't stop thinking about it until I find a way to get one. And I've had that happen a few times in this hobby. And it's exciting, right, to get that addiction to a machine that you just want, the excitement of getting it, opening it, playing it. I feel nothing like that for the Beatles. So when I see this, I'm able to almost uh, talk about it without getting into some crazy emotional extreme state. And I I think some of you guys out there understand what I'm talking about. So I think it's going to fail from a business standpoint. I really do. I don't think you're going to find Beatles people like just gobbling up those 100 you know, diamond editions. Um, you know, here's here's how they're going to release it. There's 100, and this is how the verbiage is on the Beatles store: only 100 diamond edition games, only 250 platinum edition games, only 1614 gold edition games, and only 1964. Uh, games in total. The word only is in front of all of those numbers, which is stupid. Like that is just bad marketing. It's kind of childish marketing. It's amateur hour marketing. All right. Only 1,614 only. I mean, the here's what I think annoys most of you. And I agree with this. This reeks a little bit, a lot of bit. This reeks really bad of arrogance from stern pinball like total arrogance in the way they market this stuff like they really think none of their shit stinks and you kind of get that feeling a little bit like they just think yeah we're going to do this and it's going to sell and it's going to sell out and we're going to make this and we're going to make that and we're going to make all these arbitrary collectible versions of it and it's just always going to work and you know what you can't blame them for having some of that arrogance because you know where that arrogance comes from it comes from us it comes from the pinball buyer who shoves money into Stern's pocket regardless if they deserve it if you know you become the shit when people keep telling you you're the shit and then you think your shit don't stink when people keep reminding you that you are the shit. How many different ways did I use shit in different meetings there? But you know what I'm saying? All the years that all of you ran and bought Stern machines for way more money than you knew they were worth. You guys all jumped into Stern's like... You know, you jumped into their world and you bought all those LEs when there was not anything worth it, and you you inflated this company to thinking they could get away with almost anything. And here's the thing: they've never, to this point, been proven wrong that they can't get away with it. You know, look at Batman 66; they got away with it. Look at the Beatles. Will they get away with it? I don't think they do, though, here. I think this is where they learn a little bit of a lesson and they have a hard time selling um, these games in in 2018 knowing that it's just a reskin of Sea Witch, okay? But here's what we don't know. And this is the big, like, um, you know, Variable that could change everything. This could change these games selling in great numbers or struggling to sell at all, and even possibly selling out some of these limited editions. We don't know the price. So if those hundred diamond edition games, you know, if they're not thirty-five thousand or fifty thousand dollars, you know, if they're if they're priced reasonably, and and the platinum edition le's at two fifty are priced reasonably, then I think you're absolutely going to see people like pick up this game. Because it's only the fear that this is going to be a fleecing of you that keeps a lot of people complaining right now. But if Stern were to say, you know, $12,000 for the diamond, you know, 9,000 for the platinums and then 7,500 for the gold, does your tune change on this game? Do you now look at it differently? All right, so we're going to see, we're going to see there's a lot of anger. So let me also talk about the way the game looks, because I know a lot of you out there are freaking out about the, the actual art package and design of this game. And let me say this, I have spoken to people today, just a few minutes ago, who have seen this game in person. I have talked to people who are, have stood over the game. And they have said to me, Chris, that video does not do this game justice at all. That it is not a great video. The colors are not coming through the way they do in real life. Wait till you see it in person. Okay, so there's that. I think we often get poor assets on these new games. And we often overreact to the way a game looks before we've actually stood over it ourselves and been the judge with our own eyes, all right? So there's that part of it. Um, You know, look, the game's Christopher Ranchi artwork. I think he's done a really good job in creating, you know, the look and style and feel of the Beatles of this era. Now, no, like, correct me if I'm wrong, people, but I know we had, like, the black and white television appearance of the Beatles, but the color from the 1960s that is, that was happening in the real world wasn't it very colorful like this like kind of Austin Powersy colors like isn't that what the Beatles colors were unless you were watching it through a black and white TV so I'm kind of confused as to people's uh, you know reaction to the to the colors of the game I, I I think they look I actually like them I don't have a problem with that uh, so you know get over it get over it. There also is an LCD in the game, okay? So there is an LCD in the game. One of the last captions from the YouTube video or frames, the one where it says it won't be long, um, that is from the LCD. So that's gonna give you a sense of what the animations are like in the game. Um, In terms of differences between Sea Witch and Beatles, uh, there's a magnet at the top of the play field that catches the ball and drops it into the pops. There's a spinning disc with a magnet. There's a mystery reward stand-up on the lower left next to the three bank of drops. There's a super jackpot stand-up on the lower left behind the three bank of drops. Uh, there's a skinny stand-ups near the loop's entrance. There's one additional spinner uh, on the left and a few mode inserts, including two-ball, multi-ball, and some spinner loop drop scoring modes that are on the game. So those are differences from Sea Witch, okay? All right. Wow what a day. Let's talk about why this game wasn't at Expo. The first thing I thought of when I got the link and saw this was, what the F, Stern? You literally, three days after Expo, are revealing a game. And I got kind of like pissed off at first. At first, I was like, "This is my first reaction. God damn! This is if I was on pinside. This is this would have been what I would have typed. Goddamn Stern once again doesn't give a shit about the very people that keep that company in existence. Pinball Expo was in Chicago, in their backyard. This game was ready to show, and they didn't freaking show it. They literally." could not show it they have to wait three days and then now they give us a video and they totally totally like snubbed the pinball world and then i'm like well if you think about it again if this game is not targeted for you it's targeted for beatlemania why would they reveal it at pinball expo and so what i heard the plan is the plan is something along the lines of they want to reveal it for the first time ever at either of two places, at either the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or in New York City. All right, So that is what I'm hearing is going to be the first place they pull the curtain off and let people flip it. Right? This isn't going to be like Jack Danger comes over and plays it for the first time. They don't give a shit about marketing this to you guys on Pinside. And I know that kind of hurts. I know it kind of stings. And the analogy I was going to use earlier, it's like imagine if Stern is a pinball company, and 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 imagine if they were like a movie company, you know, and their medium is movie, like their medium's pinball. Does every single movie that, uh, let's say, New Line Cinema makes, does every single movie they make have to appeal to people who love like action films, right, or like? comedies or like superhero movies. Now the thing is this, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but my point being is this, does every single pinball machine that Stern makes have to be of appeal to the diehard pinball people? Are they not allowed to make a pinball machine that isn't targeted towards the diehard pinball person? And I think this machine is that. And you can either accept it for what it is or you can complain about it. But here's the good news. Nobody has to fucking buy it. You don't have to buy it. I don't have to buy it. What's the point of going on Pinside and crying about something that isn't even made for the people on Pinside? And if you're a Beatles fan, yeah, you're going to be bummed out that maybe your theme didn't get... The completely new like homage to the band, like design-from-the-ground-up pinball experience. You're not going to get it, ever. But here's the other thing. Deal with it. What are you going to do? We could cry about it forever, but they're not going to change this game. It is what it is. Again, I kind of am a little cavalier about this whole thing because I don't care about the Beatles. I just don't. I don't share your pain. If you're a huge Beatles fan, and this meant a lot to you, and now you're pissed off, Uh, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com and come on the show and tell me why this is such a painful thing to go through in life. I would love to hear about how this is killing you. Here's what I think is going to happen. And this always happens. I think people are going to moan and groan about this game. And I think they're going to see better images. I think they're going to see the full package. I think they're going to realize that Sea Witch still shoots great. And I think people are going to like turn the corner on this pin, not from wanting to not from like hating it to wanting to own it, but I think they're gonna start to understand what the reason of this machine is. I also think that this timing is simply now so that they can get this out the door because you know they probably want to sell these to Beatles fans you know as like a holiday gift. Imagine if I'm Stern Marketing, and I would want to get this kind of item in the Neiman Marcus holiday gift guide for the ultimate Beatles fan out there. Now you can get them the only Beatles machine ever made in pinball form, but act fast because we only have 100 that they're going to make in the Diamond Edition, and 250 in in, in the you know the Platinum Edition. So act now. And get this game. You know, for I think that's their strategy: get this out before the holidays, get it to the collectors who have tons of money, and move on. And if anyone wants one down the road, we'll make you one of the gold editions. But they're not going to make sixteen hundred and fourteen right away. They'll make them, you know, they'll make them in batches as they're ordered. Yeah, again, like I, they're not going to sell all nineteen hundred and fourteen out immediately. The other reason they're doing this right now is that the Munsters is right around the corner. And if you haven't um, you know, heard, the Munsters is the greatest Stern pinball machine of all time. The Stern hype machine, it never ceases to amaze me. I'm already hearing about it from my friends in this hobby. Everyone is sending me what they've heard. People that have played it. It's Borg's best. I've heard from people At Stern, I've heard from people who have played the game, and all I keep hearing is the same thing I always hear. The game's incredible. It's the greatest game ever. Like, you definitely need to get one. Like, our Ellie's are going to sell out. Like, it's the same shit every single game. And, like, I'm sure Munsters is going to be cool as fuck. I heard that Munsters is going to be the sexiest looking Stern pinball machine ever that even the Stern people were blown away by how nice it looks and that the L.E.s are going to sell out because of that. Okay, you hear it. Now go run and go, go put your name down on list and go make up your mind and buy it. But look, look, it's the same story over and over again. We've been down this road a million times. My advice to all of you is what's the point of getting so upset about a game you don't even want? Right? What is the point? Like, I think Jersey Jack fucked up Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't really want Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm not really that upset. I'm not going to spend my days going into the thread and like shitting on it. I've been following Pinside, my, my friend Rare Hero, Mr. Greg over there in California. The man loves his Hobbit. He loves his Hobbit. He's having a good time with it. And I can't understand why when he says that to people... Everyone keeps responding that he's an idiot, that the game sucks, and they're like, it's like, what is wrong with us? Really, like, what is wrong with us? On some level, you can have an opinion of the game, but if someone else likes the game, that doesn't make that person an idiot, okay? It just doesn't. You know, you can still say the game sucks, but that person doesn't suck because they like something you don't. Don't, and there's just so much of that on pin side. So that is the deal with the Beatles. Um, again, we're going to see more of it. We're going to see better assets of it. Uh, I think it's going to miss the mark. I do think that Stern and Joe are are shooting too high with this one, and maybe they know something about the Beatles collectors that I don't, and 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 they probably do because I don't know much about anyone that would just have to have this. You know, it's just weird to me. It's like, if you collect Rolex watches, right? You're a Rolex collector. Like, you're a Beatles collector, okay? And then Stern makes a Rolex pinball machine. Does a Rolex collector want to buy it? Like, do they feel like they need to have it? I, I don't know. What if Rolex made a timepiece just for the pinball machine you know, like the clock in Twilight Zone, would you then need to have it? Because it's they only made 250 of these watches that are found inside a pinball machine. I don't know. All I know is this. The world of collecting anything is fucking stupid. Like it literally is. Like collections as much as they're fun and we like to brag about them, they're fucking pointless for the most part. They bring out the worst in people. They get you obsessed. They they get you to like spend money on things that don't really bring much long-term happiness. They get you addicted to forums where you spend way too much time going back and forth discussing things that aren't making you any smarter. In fact, this stuff makes you much dumber to spend all day long debating Beatles pinball. Like you just got dumber today because of of your focus on it. It's exciting to think of, you know, what's next. It's exciting to see new games. You know, I always find it to be just more fun to follow the hobby than to financially chase the hobby, Right. And the only time I financially chase the hobby is when I'm flipping pins and I'm making money, and then it's fun too. But again, like once you give up the urge to need to own every new pinball machine out there, it becomes a lot more fun. And you're able to see things like the Beatles release. Much more objectively, and not get so bent out of shape and have a fucking meltdown about it. Like it's like let me let me remind all of you that 99.9% of planet Earth does not give two shits about the Beatles' pinball. They never will. They don't even know it's coming out. They'll never even see it ever. All right. All right, let's go to some of your mail because I've been receiving a lot of emails from my fans all around the world and I want to make sure I call you guys out on the air and I I give you some air time. All right, so first I want to call out Scott Drager. Scott, thanks for listening. He said, hi, Canada. deep." Root definitely seems like a well-run challenger. Most likely I will freeze my new inbox money to see what they pop out at TPF. I was looking at Pirates of the Caribbean, but it might take a while to get delivered. Alright, Scott, so here's the deal. I know we talked a lot about Deep Root on the last podcast, and I think it's way too early to say something like Deep Root is a well-run challenger. And I've got a lot of people have responded to the Deep Root seminar after my last podcast, and people have reminded me that you know what chris like you're missing one very very important thing is that these people are all paid and they're paid well and they're going to say whatever they think they have to say in front of their boss and so i don't know what to expect i hope they deliver what they say they're going to deliver scott but you know, look, freezing your money, I just think it's a good thing to do in general. I just think there's so many games coming out that it, it makes sense to just wait and see where all of these new games, where they all net out, all right? I got an email from Steve Paradis. He said, um, Oktoberfest and the Pinball Bubble. He said, "Canada, listening to episode 272, Oktoberfest looks really fun. Can't wait to play it. Hopefully my local pinball bar gets it so we can play it drunk. I don't feel the need to line up to buy it though. Let's talk about the pinball bubble. Anyone who knows economics and history knows great economies never last and recessions or depressions will always come back. I love what is going on right now with pinball. It seems manufacturers are starting to figure it out and there should be some of the greatest pinball ever over the next few years. What do you think will happen to all the manufacturers when the economy tanks again. Really, I think it is a good discussion. You did touch on it before, how many of the pinball manufacturers can afford to have a game completely fail to meet minimum sales requirements, or what if two or three games in a row lose money? Um, Who would be left? All right, well, Steve, thank you for the question. Um, What if two or three games in a row lose money? You mean Jersey Jack pinball? Um, But how does an economy, here's the thing with pinball and economies, We always predict that the pinball hobby will suffer when the economy of the world suffers. And there has been nothing ever to indicate that. It is sort of strange, but the pinball hobby continues um, to trug through is truck even a word? Continues to truck through, um, even when we go through recessions, and I think the last one of two thousand and eight was was proof. You know, look, it was tough, man. Stern made it through, but the used pin market and the pin prices then they didn't collapse. And I think everyone thinks that if the economy dips, um, there's going to be a collapse in pinball prices and these companies new orders are going to dry up and they're going to go out of business now look but i think there is a big difference now from 2008 and here's the huge difference in 2008 you only had stern pinball there was nobody else making pinball games stern pinball was the only company making new pins They weren't making as many pins as they make now, and there weren't all these other games. And also, during that era, you know, most of, like... You know, most of the... Stern didn't have as many good games either. And uh, I feel like I'm going to get shit for saying that. but, But, you know, you had this era where, like, you had Stern making new games, but a lot of people considered Stern games to be, you know, kind of mediocre, if not shitty. Lord of the Rings was great. But for the most part... Stern games were a far cry from the Bally Williams games and the people back then were either buying up like Bally Williams games restoring them they were getting pinballs for decent prices and you could really be in the hobby and not spend a fortune remember Sterns back then were $3,500 $4,000 you know nowadays Ten years later, you know, games have just gone up in price because it's no longer you know stern pros anymore. One edition of a game, like there was just one edition of Lord of the Rings when it came out. There wasn't many editions. They they did a, a a limited edition after the fact, like four years later. But in 2004, there was just one game. You know, the new model with all these new games and new games with high prices. I do think if we go through a dip now with the amount of new titles out there, and new manufacturers, I do think you're going to see this, this, the bubble burst a little bit. You're going to have to, and you're going to see companies go away. You're going to see orders dry up. And I think you're just going to see people now say, you know what? Like, I'm good with my collection. I don't need to buy more. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like, you know, there's going to be that like the, the, the middle class of pinball collector is the most important one. It's not the high-end collector. It's the guy that, you know, can, can get enough saved up to buy a premium or buy a pro. That's what keeps these companies in business. It's not the $9,000, $10,000 machines. So I think a company like Jersey Jack would suffer tremendously. You know, the higher-priced pin guys are going to be the ones that struggle to find sales, all right? But we'll see. I hope the economy keeps going strong, though. I don't want it to crash because then we're all going to be a little sadder if that happens. All right. So I got an email from Tim Leonard. He, his subject was spot-on Oktoberfest review and hobby advice. He says, Hi, Chris. Just wanted to let you know that I thought your initial review of Oktoberfest was pretty much spot-on. Unlike you, I'm a fan of this theme, and I love Houdini. But I have to agree that based on the pictures and the videos so far, American Pinball needs to address numerous issues with the game's art package and callouts. That said, though, I'm confident that they will refine certain aspects of it at least. This was just the game's first reveal, after all, and they have already stated that various additions and improvements are in the works. Just a question of how much we shall see. Mod creators can fix certain things too, if need be, like the auto head. All right. I also wish to thank you for your consistent, common sense advice for addicted pinheads such as myself. Much of it, such as I keep, such as keeping the hobby in perspective within your life and focusing on enjoying the games you already have rather than obsessing over your next new inbox purchase fix, has hit home with me, and I'm working to improve my mindset accordingly. Keep up the great podcast. I appreciate your honest perspective on the business as well as the hobby of pinball. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Tim. I really appreciate it. And look, there's work to be done on Oktoberfest. We all know it. How much they will change, we shall see. Uh, Look, I was supposed to have, uh, is it Normal? come on the show? He's the sales and marketing guy of American Pinball. He said he would come on the show after Expo. I think it'd be a good idea for him to come on the show sooner than later. Uh, Then he texted me that said it could be a few weeks. So look, I told him, uh, uh, would you just answer a few questions? He said he would. So I emailed him some questions about the game. I also told him 1,500 people that are potential buyers of his game, they listen to the show. And I think it's always beneficial to people who make these games to talk about the games. And I think it only creates positive energies and vibes around this show you will never find an interview uh, on this show that i've ever done in like the two or three years i've been doing this show there's never been an interview where the person i talk to doesn't help sell in the thing they've worked on right like even you know jerry makes p3 seem more attractive when i talk to him franchi talks about his art yeti talked about his art you know, everyone's always come on this show and, and created excitement for their projects. And that is why I think it's silly that, you know, guys like Eric at Jersey Jack won't come on, like Stern now blacklist me. Cool, like don't come on. Like literally, just... Create less excitement for your projects by avoiding Canada's Pinball Podcast. And the reason why people don't avoid listening to this show is we keep it fucking honest. Like, we, we, we're we honest on this show, you know? Stern's not happy everything I just said about the Beatles. And you're not going to hear most pinball podcasts say that about the Beatles. All right. All right. So I got an email from another like uh, Scott you email me a lot Scott Drager just said one time waiting is the right answer I don't okay Scott I'm going to read this on the next one I want to give someone else some airtime. so I got an email from let's see Blade Split Chris if Deep Root has the balls to change the very way the industry has been operating right on day one concerning titles I applaud them. The idea of seeing multiple games at launch to me is awesome idea, and a kick in the ass to everyone else in the market. They are trying something aggressive, and it's great. I think it's brilliant. Say there's four games at launch. If you're not a fan of title three, or sorry, if you're not a fan of a title, there's three more to consider at the same time you will most likely have customers interested at some level in one or all of them. If they can produce them in a timely manner and you can buy one of four machines or even crazier, four of four machines, that's amazing. Is that quad manufacturing? Four games at once? Say they sold cars. You could go to Stern and you could look at and buy one brand new car with them. Or you can go across the street to Deep Root and see four new cars and buy any one of the four. I think it's aggressive and forward thinking. How many guys just buy the new Stern because it's new? I know a few. Every three to four months, they buy the new Stern. Deep Root, if successful, has the potential to change the hobby and sell a lot of games. All right. Well, here's the thing. This is from Jay. Um, Jay, look, let's, let's all come back down to reality here. All right. First of all, Jay, the analogy of a car dealership is a good one. And there's one car dealership, if we compare them to pinball, where you can go in and buy about eight brand new games, new in box, and that is Stern. All right. Don't don't think that Stern is, um, you know, look, let's stay in the car argument. And And I think you're right. There is not a car company out there that releases four cars, four different cars, four different models in one day. It, it's, it's marketing suicide. It's, you cannibalize your own market. Everybody knows that. Does Apple release four new products on one day at the exact same time? No, maybe it's a watch and a phone, but those kind of go together, they're paired. But it, it would be like Apple launching on the same day, you know, a new phone, a new speaker, a new watch a new this, a new TV, all on the same day, right? Now, look, I think what you're trying to say, it's more like video games where when Xbox comes out on day one, it's better to have four launch titles than one. But launch titles of video games are 50 bucks and people can easily afford to buy all four. People are not going to buy four pinball machines on day one at once. Not going to happen ever. It makes, it doesn't make sense It doesn't make sense. It sounds amazing. It sounds bold. It sounds brazen. But when you stop and actually analyze that, that you're going to release four games at once in the pinball industry, doesn't that seem stupid? Doesn't it just seem like you're cannibalizing your own market and the potential to sell each of those individually and create the same type of hype that Stern does? Because here's the thing. Stern could easily, you know, not release games every three to four months and just hold off and just release them all every October, right? You know the way like video games, all the big titles come out during the end of the year, you know, because people are getting ready for the holidays, they're spending their money, they're buying consoles. Stern could do that, but it makes no sense because you're right; they do want to sell you every new Stern. They do want people to you know, jump into the hype, buy it, and then play it for three, four months, get a little bored, get the itch again, then get the next one. You know, if you, if you launch four at once, you're just not going to get that. And I think it's a big mistake. And I hope that Robert kind of rethinks that strategy. Now he might show four games, but only make one or two available. Uh, But we'll see what happens, man. There's just a lot of mystery surrounding it all, but I just would not launch a lot of games at one time. All right. I got an email, oh, man, about American Pinball from Ian. This is a long email, so I'm going to try and paraphrase. Canada, love the podcast, especially the quick 30-minute to stuff. Great stuff. I work in sales and marketing as well, and I love that approach. Anyway, my one critique is this. I don't think you are being overly critical about American Pinball. However, you are missing... A very important part of why they steal more market share in the in the near future from Stern than any other pinball company. And the reason is price. American Pinball hits the sweet spot. Um, Stern sells primarily 5K machines. On the other side, JJP sells 10K machines. AP hits them right in the middle with a great price point, $7,000. Why pay $7,000 when you can pay $5,000 for a new inbox Stern? Well, I argue that AP sells J.J.P. level pinball mechs, toys, ramps, wire forms. Um, You get a full world under glass for less than any J.J.P. game new in box. Okay. He then says, you can say that that isn't spooky doing the same thing. Well, yeah, they are, but they don't have the manufacturing that AP has. Uh, Trust me, in five years when Deep Root finally irons out all the manufacturing woes, AP will be in great position to release multiple games a year with full playfields at that price. Um. All right. All right. Here's the thing. I just want to stop there. I want to talk about American Pinball and do I feel like they're at the sweet spot of the pinball world because they have games around $7,000. And I have to say, first of all, Ian, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you don't stop listening when I tell you I think you're 100% wrong. I don't think American Pinball is is sort of in a great position because of price. In fact, their games are the same price as a Stern Premium. Now everybody knows that the only Stern you ever need to buy if you want all the bells and whistles is the Premium, right? The Premium has everything that the LE has except for the overpriced artwork and vanity stuff that does nothing for the pinball experience. So then you have basically um, a a head-to-head battle against Oktoberfest and Munsters Premium. A head-to-head battle against Oktoberfest and Deadpool Premium. A head-to-head battle of Iron Maiden versus Oktoberfest Premium. A head-to-head battle between, you know, you go on and on and on. And then you realize, like, well, they can't really compete with theme on any level. Now, I do agree that American Pinball puts way more into their games than Stern does. Way more. Okay, but here's the problem. The problem with American Pinball isn't the fact that it's jam-packed with stuff. The problem with American Pinball is their execution of that stuff is still very amateur hour. And because of that, their pins still look and feel very amateur next to a Stern Pinball machine. You know, it's hard to get over the you know the amateur nature of the callouts, the amateur way in which they arrange the artwork, the amateur animations of the game. So the sum of the parts just feels much more homebrew and amateur than Stern Pinball. Whereas at Stern Pinball right now they are really hitting a stride with making the most beautiful games, having the best you know sort of LCD integration next to JJP I know, but you know like they their stuff just feels way more polished. Than American pinball, and so that leads me to feel like American pinball's buyer base is super tiny. Now, here's the real issue for American pinball buyers. Let's say that Oktoberfest is $7,750. Seems like a great price, right? Okay, and you say Jersey Jack games are $10,000. But the problem now, I don't think people look at this as a I must have a new in-box game. My first pinball machine wasn't new in box. My first pinball machine was a used Lord of the Rings LE. My second pinball machine was a used game. My third one was as well. You know, so it's like, if I wanna buy the best pinball I can buy for $7,500, do you land on Oktoberfest? You can go get right now for $7,500 a dialed in LE. You can go get a Hobbit for $6,000. You can go get a Wizard of Oz for $7,000. See, that's the problem with American Pinball right now. And as you see people selling their Houdinis for $6,000 now, you literally can't look at this hobby as only being new in box. You have to look at it and say, are we making something that people have to have? And if you're not, you know, how do we make that? Because I think people are just going to go buy what, what they feel like they have to have regardless if it's new in box or not. And I think that's why AP will, will struggle is even though their stuff looks like a bargain in a vacuum, when you zoom out, I would still rather go get it dialed in over an Oktoberfest if I want it like an original theme. All right. But but man, Ian, thank you for the email. I truly appreciate it. Guys, when you email me, try not to make it too, too long because it's hard for me to read. Um, I got an email from RC around deep thoughts. It's all about the money. All these guys working for Deep Root are probably being paid more money than they've ever made in their life. They're going to say whatever they think Robert will be happy to hear. Also, I think Robert has the ability to set a production in Mexico. Then he has a shot at making less expensive machines since they are very labor-intensive. The difference between Deep Root and all the other failed pinball ventures is deep pockets. Robert does not seem to be concerned about making a profit, so for him, this is a passion project and just a big write-off. This is play money for him, just like guys that spend millions on race cars, dune buggies, and boats. Keep on trucking. Um, yeah. I mean, I like, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know if Robert is using his own money or investor dollars to do this. I don't think he's approaching this like a big write off. I think they're actually trying to do something. Um, but I think, you know, he's going to learn about the hurdles to manufacturing when they get there. I'm not sure if they're there yet, but I think it's like, we're all curious to see how this all nets out. I keep telling people it's just going to be the best TPF ever. I got a new Patreon supporter in um, Cam K A A M and Cam. I just want to thank you so much for donating to Canada's Pinball Podcast. I truly appreciate it. Um, I really, it really, really means a lot to me. And I got an email from him. And okay, so I guess Cam. It was his Patreon name, and his name is John. And I want to just say thank you to John. And I, and I want to call John out on this show um, because it's one thing to listen to this show and appreciate it. It's another thing to actually show some support and financially show some support for the show and just back the show a little bit. And again, like I, I, I can't say how thankful I, I am for people who will donate to the show because everyone who does this, the amount of time we put into these shows, whether it's me, whether it's Ryan and Marty, whether it's like special one lit, you know, whether it's, um, you know, straight down the middle guys, whether it's Jeff at, at, at this week in pinball, a lot of our time goes into this and it's nice to see, uh, you know, and get some support, um, for what we do. So he says, hi, Chris, I found your podcast, and I'm glad I did. I binged your last six episodes over the weekend and enjoyed listening to your news, insights, and opinions. You clearly put a lot of thought and time into this hobby, and I wanted you to know I appreciate it. I signed up to support you on Patreon. And for those of you who don't know, um, if you go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Canada's Pinball, you'll find it. And it's really easy. And even just like a dollar pledge a month, that's only 12 bucks a year, all right? 12 bucks a year, you could show support for Canada's Pinball Podcast and I'd be happy. And you got to admit that this show gives you guys at least $12 worth of entertainment a year, right? 60 bucks worth? Come on, you guys buy like $9,000 pinball machines on a whim without even playing it. And this is more entertaining for most of you. I know it is. I know it is. He goes on to say, I'm out here in Tacoma, Washington, and been thinking about buying a pinball machine for my game room for a while. But for many of the reasons you've recently discussed, haven't dropped the coin just yet. Right now, I play all the new and some older pinball games at our local arcades a couple times a week and like the variety of games. My favorite layout right now is Iron Maiden. But I hate heavy metal like I hate my dogs. Vomit, so I would never buy it. My second favorite is Star Wars Premium. I love the theme. At first, I did not like Star Wars Machine, but I have grown to really enjoy it. I'm waiting to see the upcoming games as I don't plan to buy more than one, if I buy one at all. When I mentioned to my wife that we have a perfect spot for one pinball machine in our game room, she silently looked at me, which means that if the time comes, I will need to justify the expense, and that could be a bit of a sell. First of all, John, um, when it comes to wives, there is no perfect spot in a house for a pinball machine. Okay, you have to (laughs) learn that. Um, He says, as a small business owner, I like your focus on the business aspects of the pinball world as well as the commentary about the games themselves. I look forward to continue listening. John, thank you so much. I, I literally, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And every time there is a new listener to the show and every time someone writes me a, a message about how they enjoy the show, how they enjoy the hobby and what their favorite games are, I, I truly, truly appreciate it because as we all know, it's the people that make this hobby interesting, not the pinball machines. That's the dirty little secret of the pinball hobby. The people make it exciting. The games are just games. Um, I Look, I think it's a great time to wait, as I said, John. I think also, John, you're going to learn what I, what I learned, is that when you have access to bars that have a lot of good pinball machines, you will go you will have a beer or two, you'll play your games, you'll have your fun, and then you'll go home and you'll not feel the urge to own it. It literally is this crazy thing. You literally it gets out of your system. And I think the 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 real frenzy happens more online and when you're constantly talking to people all day long on Facebook and social media about pinball. That's where the frenzy occurs. But I guarantee you we're going to see the same thing with like Munsters, the frenzy to own it. But if people like got invited to Stern and got to play it, they, w- they would probably be satisfied that they got to play and enjoy the new machine. And they'd actually probably not even want it as badly as they do when they haven't played it at all. And it's this weird thing. It's this desire just to like have a box arrive at your house and it gives you that giddy feeling of a kid on, on Christmas morning, right? And I've said this before. I mean, that's pretty much, to me, what the new inbox craze is about a lot of times. It's that when you're an adult, you can create that excitement of your toy arriving without having to wait for your parents to give you the toy, <laughs> right? The endorphins that are released when your gift and your toy arrives, like on Christmas or your birthday, you can control that excitement as you get older by spoiling yourself. Every pinball machine that an adult gives himself is, is the adult spoiling themselves. But once you get over that desire to have that feeling, um, it's more fun to play at barcades in your friend's houses and save the money and watch your money pile up in other areas. All right. This has been episode, let's see, 274 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I mean, that's this is amazing. We're almost at episode 275. Um, everyone, my final words of advice: don't freak the fuck out about Beatles. Chances are you don't, you didn't even want it. Okay, so if you didn't want it, then don't complain too much about it. Wait till you see it in person. Wait till you see more images from Franchi and Stern. That video was kind of crappy and piss poor. Pretty pathetic video, if you ask me, to launch the Beatles with. Um, more is going to come on this game you're, you know, I know you can't help yourselves. New pinball equals conversation immediately. So just, just be, 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 be a little bit patient in in going nuts here. Stern pinball, if you're listening and I know you are, I mean, what pinball podcast are you going to listen to other than this one? I'm the only one who actually says something interesting about your company. Stern pinball, if you're listening, there's only so much you can push. There's only so much you can push your product out into the world and expect there to be demand for it. You got away with it with Supreme, but you're not going to quite get away with it, I think, this time. I think this is going to be the one where you learn a little bit of a lesson that if you're going to make any pinball machine, right, It's an. this is an enthusiast product. It's the same way with cars. If you're going to make an enthusiast product, it doesn't matter what the theme is. You still have to make sure that the enthusiasm is shared by the hardcore and the enthusiast base that 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 buys pinball machines. Um, you know, there's not enough casual people that are going to throw a seven to twelve to fifteen thousand dollar Beatles pinball machine into their home. There just isn't. I could be wrong, and you could be right. If you do this, if you are successful in selling out all, you know, 1964 Beatles pinball machines, I think it's kind of sad because it just proves that you're just, you you could just keep getting away with this shit and there's no consequences whatsoever. And you're just going to keep averaging down the shit until you're basically selling us cardboard pinball machines for $15,000. Now, I joke Who cares? If you're a Beatles fan and you want this, buy it. If you hate it, hate it. No one's making anyone buy this fucking thing. Um, I think it's not for me. I I think you guys are going to be blown away by Munsters. I do. I think it's going to be the one to get excited about. And in three, four weeks, no one's going to care about Beatles. It's just going to be that sexy-looking thing that was meant for Beatles collectors. But Munsters is going to be the thing that grabs your attention. All right? Everyone, have a good day. I'll talk to you soon.